0: Hello, and welcome to the New Hope Church podcast. Whether you are a member of our church family, either in person or online, or just checking us out for the first time, we believe that you belong here at New Hope Church, and we hope that this message speaks to you today. Don't forget to check us out online at newhopechurch.tv, and we'd love to connect with you on social media at newhopechurchtv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. All right, first of all, how you doing, church family? Everybody good, everybody good. I am so glad to be in God's house today. I could not wait to get to church today. Hopefully you feel the same way. Let me give a, a big shout out to our 288 campus, our Friendswood campus, our Alvin campus, our Webster campus, our Pearland campus, our online campus. So glad that you're with us in church today. If you were paying attention during the announcements, then you saw at your campus, we're going to have a men's breakfast this week at your campus, but I want to show you something, and I'm showing you this just in case, just in case you can't come to the day that your campus is having the men's breakfast. And if guys, if you can't do that, just take a picture of this real quick and you know which campus to show up at. Uh, we would invite you and welcome you to come to a different campus for this breakfast. And, uh, and uh, it's all New Hopers, no matter where you go, which campus you go to, they're all kind of crazy, but okay, you know? So uh, gather with us at one of these uh, morning gatherings. They're gonna have some worship in. I'm going to bring uh, some word, so uh, some of the words, so uh, wear your big boy pants so that we can talk about what we need to talk about, and I will see you there. Oh six hundred hours, all right? Uh, let's pray before we begin today. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> Lord, I, I, I thank you for your holy word, which we're about to study. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord, your holy Spirit, that of whom Jesus said, he convicts us of sin, of righteousness, and the judgment to come. And I ask that every person in every room, Lord, that uh, we would simultaneously be aware of your great and amazing love for us, but at the exact same time, Lord, if there's any wicked way in us, that you would search that out, point it out to us so it can be changed, and, and then change us into the person that you want us to be. And I ask this in the holy name of your son, Jesus. And all the people said. Amen. Okay, so we're in a series that we're calling Act Like Men, Act Like Men. Uh, This is a series that is focused primarily, but not exclusively, on our men. And ladies, if you were here last week, then you know, then you you already know this. Uh, The primary beneficiaries of this series are the ladies, the kids, the grandkids, and all of society, and that's because everybody wins when men act like men. So I've got two different Bible passages that I want to read to begin the lesson today, and The first one uh, is where we get the title of the series. It's where we get the, actually the, the message um, subjects for the series. And then the second one that I'm going to read to you today before we get going uh, gives us the outline for today's lesson. So let's start with the overarching uh, verse that we're using. It's actually on the logo of the series, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14, where it says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith. Read this with me. Act like men be strong, and then let all that you do be done in love. Now, in this text are five commands, act like men is in the middle. That's the middle command. There are two commands before it, two commands after it. The way that we've uh, framed this is that these are like the spokes of this wheel of godly manhood, and we actually put it onto a wheel so that we could see it. Oh, well, wait, <laughs> all right, yes, thank you, Lord, for that. And then here's the wheel, here's the wheel. Um, act like men is the hub, okay, that we have be watchful, we have stand firm in the faith, we have be strong, and that we have let all that you do be done in love. And each one of these spokes is of equal importance uh, with act like men in the middle. So uh, if one is missing or if we short one a little bit, uh, we have a bumpy ride as men. And so we need all of them in balance so that we can have the ride that we need to have for the glory of God. Now, Today, we're going to talk about standing firm in the faith, which is the second one there on the, on the hub. Let's show the hub once again. So we got to Be Watchful last week, Stand Firm in the Faith right here. That's what we're going to talk about today. And and uh, what does it mean? What does it mean to stand firm in the faith? Well, uh, just like last week, this is a military term. It's a masculine command. It's, uh, it's talking about not giving an inch. You don't give an inch when it comes to your faith. And... Uh, The text that I want to use to illustrate today's lesson, I actually got the outline from this text that I'm about to show you is 1 Timothy chapter 4, where it says this, keep a close watch, and I got two translations going around in my head here, okay, so another one says pay careful attention, keep a close watch on, on what? yourself. Last week, last week we we're on the wall. We're looking out for enemy attack. We're looking back at our family. And, and this week we're looking at ourselves. We're keeping a close watch. or We're paying careful attention to ourselves and we pay attention to what? The teaching, the teaching. So those are the two things here in, in the lesson today, the text today that we're going to pay attention to. Now, this is the English standard version. If you have another translation of your Bible, of a Bible and you have it op- that open right now, you might notice that those words are different. Another translation says, uh, "Keep or pay careful attention to your life and your doctrine. Your life and doctrine. Those would be also accurate words translated into English from the Greek. And so, I just want you to hear me now. On this nothing can put us and our influence in the ditch faster than messing up in these two areas, in your life and in your doctrine. Which, which, which essentially is uh, doing the wrong thing, okay, that's life, and believing and then saying the wrong thing. So the apostle Paul says, pay close attention to these things, and not only that, he says, persist in this or stand firm in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your here. So this is the outline. Paul gives us the outline for today's message, so if you're taking notes, we just go back to right here, and this is the first one, stand firm in the faith in your life, in your life. Now, this, this would be your actions, your deeds, uh, the things that you do. Now, we're living in a time, and you know this, when culture thinks that everything is okay, Everything's okay, that there is no standard, no moral standard, uh, no sin. In fact, I believe that culture right now believes the only sin is to believe that there is sin right? The only sin is to believe that there is sin. But we as Christ followers know because hopefully we're in his book, God says there is sin. And God says what we do in our lives matters. Now, one of the reasons that what we do matters so much is because people are watching us. And especially if you have littles at your house, like little people. If you have little people at your house, I'm talking about kids if you can't follow me. I'm (laughs) talking If you have kids at your house, they are watching you. They're watching you. And here's what I have learned about kids is this. You can tell them all day long what they should do, but they, get, they end up doing what you do. Right? So if you tell them one thing and you do another, they end up doing what it is that they see you doing. You know why that is? Because we teach what we know. We reproduce what we are. We teach what we know, we reproduce what we are. So it gets confusing for kids sometimes because we'll say, hey, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. And then we go over here and we do that, you know, and, and, the, and the kids are like, wait a minute. My, my mom, my dad, they say we're not supposed to do this or we are supposed to do this. And then they don't do it or they, they do the thing that they said not to do. And it causes confusion in their hearts and in their lives. And I believe that is what Jesus was talking about, that kind of confusion when he says this in Revelation chapter three. Jesus says, I know your works. You are neither hot or cold nor hot. So he says, I know know your life. I know what you're doing. I know your your actions. You're, You're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either cold or hot. That's what that phrase means there. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm, and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you. Another translation says, vomit you. But we don't want to say that in church. <laughs> I will spit you, vomit you out of my mouth. Now, he's using the illustration here of a drink. So let's just, let's just test this. Uh, a hot drink. Let's, let's use hot coffee. Hot coffee? Good. That's a good thing, right? Uh, 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 even cold coffee uh, sometimes would be good. If it has enough sugar in it. Um, lukewarm coffee right okay now let's do cold how about uh, I'm I'm thinking ice cold sweet tea praise God ice cold sweet tea I don't drink it often but when I do I thank the Lord Um, uh, but I I also know this ice cold sweet tea fantastic lukewarm tea terrible terrible Terrible, And it happened to me the other day. I had two, two cups up in my office. I had gotten one earlier in the day and forgot that it was up there. Got another one, ice cold, put it down, and I was studying on this sermon right here, this sermon right here. And, and, and I reached out. I picked up the wrong one in this insulated cup, and I took a big swig of it, like, this is going to be good, you know, <laughs> subconsciously, and it was lukewarm. And I about vomited it out of my mouth, as Jesus says here. So. In between, not good. Okay, so that's the illustration that Jesus gives. But why would Jesus say hot and cold are better than lukewarm when it comes to people? Now, I've heard this explained 11 different ways. This may be the 12th, but I'm going to go for it. If a person is hot, I'm not talking about like your wife is. (laughs) I'm I'm talking about like, like if they love Jesus, If they love Jesus, then then what's gonna happen is their life, their actions are gonna match up with their beliefs. So they say, I believe the Bible, I believe the Bible, and I love Jesus, and so their actions flow from that. That's a person who's hot, and it makes sense, right, when our actions align with what we say that we believe. What about cold? Well, you got somebody who doesn't know the Lord, Um, and they don't want to know the Lord, and so they're over here doing what they do, you know, uh, living however they want to live, doing whatever they want to do over here, and that actually makes sense. It actually makes sense that someone who does not know the Lord and doesn't know any better would do the things that some people would do. There's zero confusion when somebody's hot. There's zero confusion when somebody's cold. The confusion comes when you got somebody trying to play the middle. When there's someone, Jesus says, who's neither hot nor cold. So, it, it, just to illustrate, you got somebody saying, oh, I believe in Jesus. Oh, I believe in the Bible. And, and I follow the Bible. That's what I do. I follow the Bible. But then their actions are no different from the world. It's like, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. But then they sleep with whoever they want to sleep with because... Love is love, right? Or I'm a Christian, but then they cheat on their spouse. They cheat on their taxes. They lie on their time sheet. They lie to their boss. They lie to the insurance adjuster. But I'm a Christian. Now, it makes sense, and it's biblical, when you have a Christian who is living a life, trying to live a life worthy of the calling of Christ. Like, they're going to make mistakes, but... For all intents and purposes, they're trying to do what God wants them to do. That makes sense, and it glorifies God. It also makes sense when someone who doesn't believe in God can watch a show, you know, like with Sam Smith doing his satanic ritual dance on it, and that's fantastic, that's fantastic, because they don't know any better. They don't know any better, so that's to be expected. Again, the confusion comes when someone says they are a Christian Christian and then they applaud along with the world. Or they do the things that the world is doing. And that's why I believe Jesus said, this lukewarm life, ah, gotta go, gotta go. And that's why we're supposed to, this is back to First Timothy now, keep a close watch on our lives, on our actions, on ourselves. Now, let me speak specifically to our men for just a moment. Um, I have seen way too many men crash and burn, crash and burn. And, And they look like they're doing okay on the outside, but this one day, one day they get caught. And they were doing something in their private life, whether it's porn or adultery or whatever, 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 fill in the blank. And then what happens is another family is wrecked. The kids are confused because they're like, Dad, Dad said he was a Christian, but he was off doing this stuff behind our backs. And... I said it last week, I'll say it again this week, I'll probably say it again next week. Men, the devil wants to take you out. He wants to take you out. Now maybe you're thinking, well that's just, you're you're biased toward the men, that's biased pastor speak. No, it's based pastor speak. And I'm going to show you because I have some some statistics to back it up here. This is, uh, the first one is from uh, the Texas Department of Corrections. 85% of youth in prison today come from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 60% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 50% of kids who live in homes without fathers live below the poverty line, which is four times the rate of those homes with dads. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services states that Fatherless children are at a dramatically greater risk of drug and alcohol abuse. Kids from fatherless homes are more likely to be sexually active at a younger age, more likely to commit crimes, less likely to achieve good grades in school, and are more likely to have emotional issues. And the list goes on and on. Doesn't even cover the spiritual issues that arrive when a father leaves his family and and listen, for every kid that's alive, I know that there's a dad, because it takes a man and a woman to make a kid. So for some reason, whatever it is, the dad is not there, and it's usually not a very good reason. It usually could be categorized as some sin. The dad has become a-wall, absent, non-existent in that kid's life, and then the problems come. Men again. The devil wants to take you out. And the reason he wants to take you out is so that he can get to your family. And I'm just saying today, don't let him. Don't let him. Every day, here's what you do, man. You get up and you glorify God in your actions. Tomorrow when you get up, you get up and you glorify God in your actions. The next day you get up and you glorify God with what you do. The day after that, you get up and you glorify God with what you do. You keep living out your faith until you're dead. That's what you do, because that's what we're called to do. Stand firm in the faith, amen? amen. <clears throat> Secondly, stand firm in your doctrine, in your doctrine. Now, the other translation that we looked at, ESV, says teaching, so, and then the other one says doctrine, so this is what's in us, what we believe, and what we speak. And what we believe and what we speak is oh so important. Now, as you very well know, we are living in strange days. People nowadays, I I hadn't heard this in my lifetime, but people nowadays will say things like, well, well, that's your truth. That's not my truth. (laughs) That's your truth, and it doesn't work for me. I'm, I'm living out my truth, you know, I found my truth. Well, <clears throat> and the reason that this is the way that is going, the way that people speak nowadays, is because people anymore don't believe there's such a thing as absolute truth. And recently I saw this insanity illustrated in an interview. It was an interview with a, a representative for the Ontario Mathematics Coordinators Association the Ontario Mathematics Coordinators Association. And I had heard this, but I had never seen someone actually say it. And I saw this woman say it. And here's what she said. She said, okay, if you believe this to be true, that two plus two equals four. She said, if you believe this to be true, then that is participation in white supremacy. To which I I just want to tell you guys today, it's actually four. It's actually four. But it's sad. This is the 1984 Orwellian world that we live in now. And it's sad because of what's at stake. Here's what's at stake. If you can get people to believe that this isn't true, if you can get people to believe that there are more than two genders, if you can get people to believe that men and women can switch their sex or that men can have babies or that it was the Christian's fault in the Nashville school shooting and not the fault of the shooter, if truth can be bent and changed and replaced with a lie, then what's going to happen is more people are going to go to hell. That's what's at stake. And that's why more than ever, we need pastors across this nation to stand up and tell the truth. We need them to tell the truth. I, uh, you know, I have urged whenever I get to talk to pastors, I urge them to tell the truth, to tell the truth, to tell the truth. And and I just want you to know, if you're coming to church here, this is where you're going to get the truth. And We're going to keep on saying it. We're going to keep on saying it. We're going to keep on saying it. It doesn't matter what happens. We're going to keep on saying it. Now, <clears throat> I'm kind of looking down the road a little bit at churches and so forth, and, and, and I'm praying that God raises up some Elijahs in the next generation, some pastors who will continue to speak the truth. But it doesn't stop there. What we need is we need men to speak the truth in their homes. I recently heard a very uh, popular pastor. I mean, very, very, like he's, well, I don't wanna tell you too much because I don't don't wanna name names, at least not today. Extremely popular pastor on social media and otherwise. And he was preaching a sermon and he, he said, you know, if I was there with God during creation, I would have told God, God, why just, why just male and female? Why just two genders? How about another option? How about some in-between things? Why you got to make it so complicated, God, as if two genders is complicated? <laughs> and he almost started apologizing to people in his church that may be thought differently than what the Bible said. It's almost like he started apologizing for God's word. Now, I wish that was rare. But I watch enough, I look enough to know that it's increasingly an issue in churches as pastors say similar things. And it's almost kind of like this. This is the tact that's taken. If, it's up to, if it was up to me, I would let some sins pass. you know. But the big bad guy upstairs, you know how he is. He's such a grouch and this is what he wrote. So I'm just telling you what he wrote. And I don't like it, you know. And, and to which I wanna say, If if we don't love the law of God, then we don't love God. If we don't love the law of God, then we don't love God. And the reason I say that is because the law of God is his will for us. It's the will of God. And the will of God comes from his love for us. First John chapter four says God is love. That's who he is, that's his essence. And so it is God, God is love. His love, him for us, is his will for us, which is his law for us. Therefore, if you don't love his law, you're fooling in yourself if you think that you love God. Now, if, I, if there's ever a day when I pick up the Bible and I'm like, I don't know about that. Or I, that's too hard. That's too difficult to obey. Bottom line is, it's not God's fault. It's my fault. It's my fault. It's my sin nature trying to take charge of my life. I'm the problem. Romans chapter 7, verse 12 says this. The law of God is what? Holy. Holy, which means perfect here. Perfect. It's perfect. And listen to me. There's not a better place to be on the planet than in the center of God's will. Amen? But right now, our culture our culture hates biblical Christianity. Our culture hates Bible believing churches. Our culture hates Christians who hold fast to his word. And if you don't believe me, I'm gonna show you something. And not to scare you, but just to show you, because I want you to live in reality, okay? Someone did four searches on TikTok. And if you're thinking this couldn't be right, someone on our staff followed it up and did it, same result, okay? On TikTok, this is actually four screenshots all hooked together here. And here's what they searched. First search was this, I hate Jews, just to see what TikTok would suggest if you search I hate Jews. You get get a a public service announcement which says, get the facts. We encourage you to verify the facts and trust credible sources when seeking information about the Holocaust and its legacy. So if you uh, search for I hate Jews, you're gonna get a public service announcement. I hate Muslims, no results found. I hate LGBTQ, no results found. I hate Christians, tons of videos and reels about how terrible Christians are. And here's here's why Christians are hated. Short story, we believe this book right here. We believe this book. And this book says that every person is a sinner and our sin separates us from a holy God. And in order to receive forgiveness and salvation from our sins by a holy God, we must repent of our sins and place our faith in Jesus Christ who went to the cross and took our place so that we could be born again. And that's what baptism represents, dying to our old self and being raised up, born again to live the life that God has called us to live. That's it. And the church, the church might end up being the last place on earth where you can hear the truth. And so we're going to keep saying it, and we're going to keep saying it, and we're going to keep saying it, and we're going to keep saying it. We're not going to stop. And men, you should keep saying it as well. My wife and I—it's been about a year ago or so—we took our uh, oldest grandson out to eat with us, and um, he, the the the, the, the waiter who took care of us that evening was a guy in full makeup and long fingernails. And he wasn't fooling anyone, just so you know. And we, we ate our meal and he gave us pretty good service. He gave us pretty good service. And um, so I gave him a 20% tip. I was cordial with him as always, as always. And uh, we got into the truck afterwards and I just turned around in my seat immediately to look at my grand, my tiny little grandson sitting back there. And I said, hey, buddy, did you notice that guy? And my grandson said, yes, I did, Papa. And I said, okay, well, here's the deal. God made him a boy, but he's trying to live like a girl. And he's very confused, so we need to pray for him. My grandson agreed with that take, and uh, so... There we go. And, and that was the end of that conversation. And for those of you who have kids at home right now, I can't fathom the number of conversations that you need to be having. As you see your kids being influenced in different ways, you got to stand firm on the truth and give them the truth. And, and one thing that they need to know, and all of us need to hear this today, is that people are not the enemy People are not the enemy. Even that dude that served us, he's not the enemy. He's the prize. He's the prize in this celestial battle that's going on on this earth right now. He's the prize. In fact, Ephesians chapter 6 says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Another translation, our battle is not against flesh and blood, not against people, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly Realms, and I'll say it again people are not the enemy, people are the prize. They're the prize, which means we can simultaneously have compassion on people who are being misled and are confused while we fight the battle for truth and while we tell our kids the truth and we stand firm on the faith, and we tell our family and anyone who wants to know what God expects from us and what's out of bounds from, in God's word, we just stand on the truth. So we're standing firm on the faith and our actions, we're standing firm on the faith and our doctrine, we're persisting in this, as the text said, and uh, we're doing it for this reason. This is number three, for the salvation of yourself and others. For the salvation of yourself and others. That's exactly what the apostle Paul wrote in First Timothy. He says, keep a close watch on yourself, that is your life's, and on your teaching, your doctrine. Uh, stand firm in this, persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. In other words, you and I standing firm is eternally important. But it's not popular. It's not popular right now. But I will tell you this, people don't get saved with half-truths. They don't get saved with a watered-down gospel that dismisses sin and eliminates repentance from sin. And I know there are so many people who don't quite understand that, and the reason is because they don't see the whole picture right now. I, I heard it explained this way not long ago. Like, let's say you're out in their front yard, maybe you're in the driveway working on your truck or something, and and, and you got your toddler out there with you, and you're keeping an eye on your toddler while working on what you need to work on, but then they kind of drift away from you. And let's just say you live on a kind of a a highway where people go fast and they walk down the driveway without you knowing it. And then all of a sudden they're walking down the, the, the highway. The moment that you saw them, the moment that you saw them, you would start to move toward them. And if you saw a Mack truck in the distance, you would run toward them screaming, yelling for them to watch out the entire way. Am I right or am I right? Because you care about them, right? And uh, even if it was just like at the last second where you got there, you would dive through the air and you would slam against them at the risk of hurting them or their feelings, and you would knock them out of the way so that the truck wouldn't, wouldn't kill them. Now, if somebody was watching that scenario from a distance, like they had a telescope and they're zoomed in on your little kid, and they're like, oh, that little kid's so cute. What's he doing? Oh, he's an adventurer. Look at him going down the driveway. This is, this is, this is so cool. And oh, he's walking down the road. What, a, what is he, I wonder where he's going. And then all of a sudden, in their little zoomed in lens, they saw dad come flying into the frame and knock that kid off of the road. The person who's watching that might back up and go, that dad is horrible. What's he doing? He's so mean to that kid. But if they zoomed out, then it would make perfect sense. And here's the deal. As Christ followers, we have a lens that is zoomed out. We know how the story ends. And so we speak the truth. And we don't speak the truth because we hate people. We speak truth because we love people. And we know that there's a Mack truck of judgment headed toward those who are living in sin, who have not repented and accepted Jesus. And we want them them to know that Jesus loves them. And we want them to know Jesus so that they can find salvation. I was... uh, reading in the Old Testament this past week, and I'm kind of stuck in the Old Testament, right? Now. I'm hopefully back to the New Testament soon, but I was in First uh, and 2 Samuel, 1 and Second Chronicles, and I got to the part about David's mighty men, and it was um, quite interesting. I always enjoy this passage of Scripture. David, if you don't know, had 30 mighty men. He had a lot of guys that followed him around that were mighty warriors, but there was 30 guys that were like the elite class, and then out of the 30, you had three guys that were like superstars. And they tell a tidbit of their stories and to why they were elevated to the status of David's mighty men. And in 2 Samuel, there's uh, a group of those stories. And one of my favorites is a guy named Eleazar. Here's two verses about Eleazar. It says, among the three mighty men was Eleazar. He was with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle. And the men of Israel withdrew. So everybody else like backs up away from the battle, but not Eleazar. He rose up and he struck down the Philistines. That's the enemy of Israel until his hand was weary and his hand clung to the sword. This can also be translated as his hand froze to the sword. It froze to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day. And the men returned after him only to strip the slain. I love that guy. I know it's kind of a gory story, but I love that guy. And the reason is, is because he wouldn't back down. He would not retreat. He stood firm until the battle was over. And when it was done, they had to pry his hand off of his sword. Now to the men of our church, I just wanna say, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, never let go of the sword. Don't let go of the sword. Don't let go of the sword. No matter what happens, don't let go of your faith. Now, I read the news every single day, and probably a mistake to do so, but I like to stay informed. And I know that if you do that as well, if you watch the news or or you read the news, there may be a tendency to think that the battle's being lost. And maybe you're even wondering, how's this thing going to end? What's this going to end like? And Well, here's the truth. Here's, Here's how it ends. I know how it ends because I've read the Bible, and here's what's going to happen. Jesus is going to come back with reinforcements. Satan is going to be defeated. And just like it says in Philippians, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. We get to see Jesus face to face on that day, and what a great day that will be. Amen? What a great day that will be. But we're not there yet. We're not there yet. So what do we do now? We act like men. We act like men. We stand strong in the battle. We stand firm in the faith, in our life, and in our doctrines, and we never, ever, 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 ever let go of the truth, amen? Stand with me, please, all of our campuses. Now today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we always like to take the opportunity to give people the chance to make that decision. And just as I said in the sermon today that um, all of us are sinners and we need to repent of our sin. We need to accept Christ in order to have salvation. If you've not done that, I would highly encourage you to do that today. Uh, Because of God's love for you through Jesus, you can be saved, you can be forgiven, you can start a new life, you can be born again today, and there will be prayer partners right down here for that, or for uh, any prayer requests that you may have, come on down and visit with them before you leave. Let's bow. God, I thank you for your love. Sometimes it's tough love, Lord, but that's okay. It's from you, and uh, we accept it, and I thank you for your will for our lives, and Lord, for some who are struggling right now, I pray that you would just open their eyes to the bigger picture so that they can see what's happening, what's going to happen, Lord, and that all of us could get right with you and live our lives, not for ourselves, not for what we want, not for our own desires, but for your glory. It's in the precious name of your son that I pray these things. And all the people said? God bless, guys. We'll see you next time. If you enjoyed the podcast, we encourage you to follow Share it with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.